The Athletic. Speculation began about his future. A return to Real Madrid was ruled out. His departure from Juventus was confirmed. Talks with Manchester City began. Sir Alex, Rio and Agent Evra kicked into gear. We've had the first glimpse of him back in a red shirt. We've had the first glimpse of a number seven on his back again. We've had the first glimpse of him back at the Carrington training ground, along with some questionable hand gestures from Solskjaer. But in two days' time, the Theatre of Dreams is his playground once again. Cristiano Ronaldo is back. Now Ronaldo. Long way out. What a goal! Not too far out for him. What a night when Manchester United had to score. They have scored inside six minutes. It's the player from Portugal who has hammered it in here in Porto and hammered Manchester United into an early lead. Well, stand up and be counted. It's a shout to Cristiano Ronaldo from a lot of Manchester United fans. I'm so happy to be back home after 12 years. So I'm really glad and looking forward to start uh, my first game. It is Ronaldo! Oh! Wouldn't you just know it? And I want to carry on again uh, to make history, to try to help uh, Manchester to achieve great results, um, to win trophies. And I'm one of, of them to help the team to, to win uh, great things. West Brown, good ball as well. Header from Ronaldo! Manchester United take the lead in the European Cup final. Ronaldo's my boy. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United with me, Ian Irving. I promise you it won't just be a Ronaldo fest on today's show. We'll also talk about a potential international redemption for Anthony Martial, which might do his Manchester United form very good as well. We'll find out if Fred is playing or not playing or somewhere in between, as the case may be. We'll also talk about Manchester United fans being able to travel away in the Champions League, which is great news, of course, and... We'll talk about some memorable debuts because you might have heard Ronnie's back in town. Anyway, Andy Mitten is also on today's show, sort of. He's going to send us his little diary once again because he is still cycling the length of the country for the Manchester United Foundation. We'll have an update from him a little bit later on in the podcast. But I've come to the point where I need to introduce you to Laurie Whitwell. Hello, Laurie. Hi, Ian. How you doing? Good, thank you. And I also need to introduce you to Carl Anker. Hello, Carl. Hello, mate. How are you getting on? Oh, very good, thank you. Anything good to tell us, Carl? Uh, wingbacks. I'm now obsessed with wingbacks. <laughs> yes, there's been quite a lot of wingback chats, hasn't there, since the last podcast on the WhatsApp group as well. So I'm very much looking forward to getting into that a little bit later on when we talk about what we think Manchester United are going to look like this weekend against Newcastle with Ronaldo in the side. And spoiler alert, Carl thinks there's going to be wingbacks in there. <laughs> <laughs> which is really interesting. Of course, a lot of fanfare, isn't there, about Ronaldo being back. We've had all the little glimpses this week of every last little thing he's done in Manchester. He even brought the sunshine with him as well, which was quite incredible at the start of the week, but it's back to looking a little moody again out there, but never mind. I've teased it there, but let's just get straight into it. Carl, 
Wing backs? <laughs> yeah, I, I said this on the last episode when you asked me how do you solve a central midfield problem? And, well, you probably need more width and, and get wing backs in. And then I kept, I said I'd look, you know, I'd, I'd try making some lineups and I kept trying to make one. And I dropped one in our little Talk of Devils group chat. So I tried making a 3 4 2 1. Uh, and then basically realised I ran out of space for two or three really good football players because <laughs> this Manchester United squad is really, really weird. I don't think Solskjaer will use wingbacks on the weekend against Newcastle. I know he has used three at the back in times uh, in 2019-2020, uh, especially at the start before the Project Restart section of the season started. Laurie, you talked a lot about uh, Luke Shaw when he was playing in the back three a lot. But I think... There is potential at some point to use wingbacks, a 3-5-2, a split striker system, especially if you want to get more attackers around Ronaldo uh, because Ronaldo, you know, while he is one of the most prolific goal scorers of all time, he's not the most mobile football player at his 36 years of age now. So you probably want to get some more strikers around him. So yeah, wingbacks. I'm going to be doing this for a little bit. Last season, we were talking about midfield diamonds. So this season, we're going to be talking about wingbacks. I think the thing that was most offensive about your lineup, Carl, wasn't the fact that it had wingbacks. It was the fact that there was no Mason Greenwood in it. And the way he started the season, very harsh to drop Mason, isn't it? This is the fun thing about United, where basically every lineup is going to have at least one very good attacking player on the bench. What is it about three goals in three games that means that you think it's okay to drop him? Uh, I think the fact that Mason Greenwood's proven himself to be a really good substitute for United in the past. <laughs> so you think about the 3-1 performance against Tottenham Hotspur, Greenwood comes off the bench. You think about how he was integrated in throughout 2019-2020 uh, and how Solskjaer often used him as his first sub. I think there is something about Greenwood as a, oh, this isn't going to buy him. Chuck on Greenwood start scoring some XG defying goals uh, I think that could be quite fun Laurie would you drop Greenwood? I wouldn't personally just because I think you've got a game form Would you play wing backs? I, I, I'm struggling to, <laughs> uh, Listen Carl, I can see where Carl's coming from in certain games and when Solskjaer used that formation it was in, in specific you know matches wasn't it it was against Liverpool it was against uh, Chelsea It usually it, worked It worked it was fairness, the big games it? but it did it had more sort of flexibility to it I don't think United have got the players right now where you go let's have wing-backs involved because then you've got Diogo Dallo as as the right wing-back over Wan-Bissaka because, you know, Wan-Bissaka's not a Kieran Trippier. He's not a Kyle Walker who's going to bomb on like, you know, you see for England. So you'd have to start Diogo Dallo and that would mean then someone like Mason Greenwood coming out of the team and that would just look odd to me that you've got a guy who's, <laughs> say, scored three and three um, out the side. Listen, I love the back three system. I, I covered Wales at uh, the Euro in 2016 when Chris Coleman, you know, uh, five at the back and bail an attack. So, you know, Ronaldo could be that kind of sort of focal point. Two up top, you know, Solskjaer mentioned it, Cavani and Ronaldo. I think there was a time at Juventus where Mandzukic played as the centre forward and Ronaldo sort of was in and around him. You could see Cavani and, and Ronaldo doing that. I know it's a few years on as well. I'm being a little bit, a little bit facetious, I think, Carl, but in terms of... Ronaldo being in this Manchester United side, there is a sense that they are going to have to change, aren't they? Yeah. I was talking to uh, my friend Aaron, a uh, very good date of his person on Twitter, and he was saying, what's interesting is in selling Daniel James and bringing in Cristiano Ronaldo, what you've done is you've moved on a player who compromised himself for the good of the team to bring in a much better player who you need to compromise some parts of the team in order to facilitate. So when I was trying to do wing backs, I went, oh God, 
it would have been really good to have Dan James here. He'd have been a really good right wing back. Anyway, I think the thing with Cristiano Ronaldo is he's going to be a... I mean, it's quite interesting where when Ronaldo was first at Manchester United, Alex Ferguson sort of went, I'm going to move on Ruud van Nistelrooy, who pretty much only operated inside the penalty area because I wanted to have a more free-from attack with Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, and then eventually, you know, it was Luis Saha and then eventually became Carlos Tevez, eventually got in Dimitar Bovitov. Whereas now it's almost the reverse where the Cristiano Ronaldo of 2021 is Ruud van Nistelrooy-esque in that he pretty much only operates inside the penalty area. He is very good at making near post runs. He's very good also at attacking the back post with headers. If So you've got to get him loads of crosses. But he's not particularly going to score that many goals from outside the box this season, unless he suddenly gets his free kick juju back, uh, which I don't think he will. If you're going to play Cristiano Ronaldo up top, you're going to need to supply him a lot with a lot of runners and you're going to need to give him a lot of crosses. Um, and United got better last season at supplying crosses in because they had Erzik Cavani, another player, very, very good at near post runs, very, very good at attacking the back post. But again, it causes that slightly different amount of recalibration from Cavani to, to Ronaldo. It, there's maybe potential in playing Ronaldo with someone as a strike partner. Uh, so you want to put him up front with someone like maybe Marcus Rashford or maybe someone like... Anti Martial, that could work in terms of just playing loads of one twos and triangles in and around the penalty area and then bursting through. But I, it's not just simply put Ronaldo in and hey, now we've got we're going to win every game three 0 How do you think they'll change, Laurie? Ronaldo brings lots of things, uh, but there's a few things that he doesn't bring that maybe Manchester United have, have liked in their side, and and Solskjaer has picked in his side previously. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the pressing side of things, I think we've got some stats, haven't we, that suggest um, from fbref.com that he's in the bottom 1% of forward in terms of pressuring opponents. And that is something that Solskjaer has tried to implement. You can see at Old Trafford, particularly in the closed doors games where you've got Kieran McKenna who takes the coach at Carrington alongside Michael Carrick. Um, he'll be on the edge of the technical box sort of screaming for players to, to, to press up, to move in. Wamsak is a particular player that he gets in the ear of, you know, from that right back position. But then more than that, the, the forward players. I mean, Bruno's really good at it, you know, you know, having around. Cavani obviously does it. Um, Rashford does it as well. That's something they want more from Martial. So if Ronaldo's in the bottom 1%, Martial's in the bottom 2%. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> so it passes the eye <laughs> test at least. Um, He's going to fit in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Martial and Ronaldo uh, dovetailing up top. You know, perhaps you won't get the uh, the defenders will have a bit of time on the ball, won't they? What's the term for anti-pressing? Is there a, <laughs> is there some sort of like... Cool Me at five-a-size. That's what they European <laughs> term. I don't know. That's all I can do at five-a-size. I've got no skills, but I can run around a lot. This is the thing, you know, Ronaldo hasn't been bought really with a, a grand tactical master plan in mind, I don't think, other than the fact that he is a you know, elite superstar who will guarantee you goals and, and will raise the general yeah. um, standing of, of the club. Um, so that's something for Solskjaer to kind of navigate. That's an interesting point, that, Laurie, because the, the thing with Ronaldo now is, is will it matter that United are changing the way that they're playing? Will it matter that some of these players are being left out, including Mason Greenwood, Carl? <laughs> um, do, do you think players will just accept and fans will just accept that United are different because of Ronaldo, Laurie? I suppose people have always said, what is the defined style of play for Solskjaer anyway? You know, it's not like he's a Pep Guardiola where you can see very clearly the demands that he puts on his players for a very specific style. Likewise, Jurgen Klopp, you know, the gegenpressing. 
you could say the same thing about Sir Alex Ferguson. What was the actual style of the of the team? Really, it was you know a lot winning. It was winning exactly. <laughs> it was winning, and that's basically what the idea behind bringing Ronaldo into the club is. He will help you win more matches than if he wasn't in the club, particularly if he was at Man City down the road. So the idea is good players together should play well. Ultimately, people can talk about coaching and. The, you know, the, the kind of the styles that they put on players, but ultimately it's the guys out on the pitch that, that do the job. And if they're not good enough, then they won't win enough games. So Ronaldo certainly falls into that bracket. From the Wolves game to the Newcastle game, you know, I would, I would obviously, Dan James isn't, isn't playing for United anymore. So clearly that's the slot where you'd think Ronaldo will just slip into. Admittedly, then it'll be a, a recalibration of, of, you know, Greenwood out to the wing. And I would, I would still think Sancho starts just because he's the big money signing. And I know he came home from England duty early with an injury. Is it something to do with his fitness though? He didn't, he didn't look quite at it for United against Wolves. Bringing him back to Carrington, I'm sure United were happy with that. And we've seen him in training this week. So I imagine that he's actually okay and he's, he's fit at least. The Cavani thing, as you mentioned, is he going to have his nose put out of joint? He's been brilliant for the club, Cavani, but there's certainly been an, an element of he knows when he wants to play or when he can play, rather, sorry. You know, he, he knows his body and it can be quite particular about that. So it's been that way at the start of this season. There's been a bit of kind of dispute over him going to Uruguay or not. I don't think you can hang your hat totally on Cavani. So I think having that alternative is a good thing. I feel a bit sorry for Edison Cavani in some ways. Carl, do you agree? A little bit. I mean, this is... It feels very much like Cavani at PSG. So Cavani, you know, Cavani's career goes to Palermo, goes to Napoli, has a fantastic spell at Napoli as part of a sort of three musketeers front three and then goes, my family's in a bit of danger here, let me move. Cavani goes to PSG and then thinks he's the main man and then Ibrahimovic rocks up. Cavani gets shot in out to the wing and then there's that there was that very weird tension at Paris Saint-Germain for years where even though Zlatan was supposed to be the main man and the one who's scoring all the goals the ultras loved Cavani more because Cavani was the one that led the press and Cavani was the one that sort of was the matador and played football with his heart on his sleeve and whatnot it's not quite one-on-one but you have that thing of Cavani got brought in got given the number seven shirt you're going yep you're going to be the main man wins over the Manchester United fan base gets that fantastic song and then just as you think he's going to be the person to 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 be the leader of this dressing room for the next year year and a half here comes in another striker who is maybe slightly better than you and also maybe has slight accusations of the fact that he's a bit too ball dominant and now you probably have to either sit on the bench or sit on the wing. So Cavani's been here before uh, and he's survived the PSG one. I think he and Ronaldo probably would have had a fun conversation about, oh, hey, Ronaldo, I haven't seen you since the World Cup where where I knocked you out. No, it should, it should be fine. I think the gesture about giving up the number seven shirt for Ronaldo shows that Cavani is, we know he's an ultra professional, both in terms of physical fitness and also he, he doesn't mind compromising for the betterment of of the football team as a whole. So that should be fine, I think. There's maybe a wonder about how far on the continuum between Ronaldo wanted the number seven shirt and Edison Cavani was happy to give up the seven shirt. We're actually on as to how happy Cavani is in the situation. I guess we'll find out. And, and like Laurie referred to, Cavani can't play every single match. United are going to have a lot of weeks this season where they have three games. They're going to have travel uh, to Europe in there as well. So I'm sure the minutes will get shared around. Just going back to the Newcastle game then. Any question at all, Laurie, that Ronaldo doesn't start this match in your mind? Not in my mind. I mean, clearly he might not do. Um, but I think he starts just because the way that it's 
come about the move, the fact that you know United are very much pushing his involvement. They've changed the banner outside Old Trafford to to show his his picture now, and I know that's a commercial thing, but it feels like everything's building towards him not just on the football side, but also on the kind of expectation side, him starting that game. And listen, obviously it comes down to Solskjaer. He's the manager. He will pick that team. But the way that he spoke about Ronaldo, and I'll let you come in, Ian, in a second, because I can see you. <laughs> You're ready to pounce on that one. The way that he, Solskjaer spoke about Ronaldo on you know the last press conference that we did with him, um, it was clear that he was you know, massively enthused about it. And listen, he was perhaps in the afterglow of knowing that the deal was going to get done. Uh, and that's a different thing to then selecting a team to beat Newcastle. But I just, I, I think that he, he starts. I think that's what Solskjaer would like to do. And, and Ronaldo clearly has come back early from international duty. He's in training. He's looking great. So, you know, why not start him? I, I just can't imagine after all the build-up, changing the front of Old Trafford, um, you know, the, the dramatic 24 hours, snatching him from City, the little glimpses we've had day after day of him in training in a number seven shirt. I can't imagine that even if it is a marketing point that the first time we see Ronaldo back at Old Trafford is running down the touchline in a training kit with a bib on. It just doesn't seem right, Carl, does it that? It doesn't seem to fit the narrative somehow. I like the fact you say the first time we see him where as we've uh, there's also been a number of conversations about the fact that this game will be not televised. It's true. true. The collective we, the royal we of the <laughs> yes, UK. Yes. No, not UK population. The I globe. Don't know. You know what? <laughs> Everybody I mean. else in the planet, <laughs> yeah. apart from the UK. Manchester United didn't play one Saturday three o'clock game last season, uh, and this is you know, one of the first times they're going to do it. Is is the game where you'd imagine quite a number of investors and uh, football fans would like to have it televised so they can see a certain someone. I think Ronaldo will most likely start. I think the way. Solskjaer has started Sancho against Southampton and now against Wolverhampton Wanderers where, like Laurie said, he didn't quite look match fit. Makes me think, in a nice way, Solskjaer sometimes indulges some of his newer signings or some of his bigger signings. So, and also I think it's probably a lot better to, to put Cristiano Ronaldo up front, give him 55 minutes to an hour and take him off and then put on someone like Mason Greenwood. Oh, can I just pick up on that one point though, Carl? You know, when you say about Solskjaer perhaps indulging um, his signings, Donny van der Beek, you know, 40 million was the big summer signing last year. doing this again, Lawrence. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> he, he doesn't start him. Uh, Rafa Varane didn't start him against Southampton. Jaden Sancho didn't start him when people true. were calling for him. So I, I don't think true. he actually does just throw players in once he signed them. That's why I think Ronaldo is a different case though. I think Ronaldo clearly is in good shape. You know, he scored those two goals against Ireland in the depths of, of the game, you know, injury time. So you, you feel like he's in a good place. Whereas Sancho had the summer where he didn't play for England apart from that one game. People were already saying he needs to get back into his rhythm. And I think Sancho, when he's perhaps away from regular training week in, week out matches, I think he perhaps feels it more than someone like Ronaldo would. In terms of an 11 then, Carl, you, you sort of talked about what the formation could be or whatever, but what, what do you think the 11 will be for United this weekend? Uh, Solskjaer will do 4-2-3-1, De Gea, is currently in a, in a decent run of form. Yep. And we thought about Dean Henderson and his recovery from COVID. So De Gea in goal. Sean Maguire, Varane, Wan-Bissaka. Uh, the central midfield pivot is going to be the difficult one because we now don't know about the status of Fred. Yes. So Laurie and I have been running around trying to figure out what's going on with the Brazilian FA and the Premier League right now. So the Brazilian FA have asked FIFA to suspend a number of Brazilian football players that weren't allowed to feature in a number of games. So that means Fred, Gabriel Jesus, um, Fabinho, think this, Rafinha might be not Rafinha, allowed as well. Edison, Edison, Allison. 
quite a number of them, in fairness. Laurie, do you think it'll get worked out? Do you think Fred will be able to play in the end? Because he'd miss young boys as well, wouldn't he? He'd miss yeah. both. So it's five games. So yeah, if a player isn't released for international duty, the FIFA laws allow for those clubs, for that sorry, for those countries to, you know, basically petition, and they could be banned for, for five game for five days from playing for their clubs. So that would take in the young boys. Interestingly, in regards to Brazil, Richarlison. Uh, Brazil are happy for Richarlison to play because he turned out for them at the Olympics. So I think it just shows the kind of um, the approach that they're taking. You know, it's not really that they're trying to apply the letter of the law. There's obviously something to it. And it was quite funny that you had Brazilian officials from somewhere running onto the pitch to stop the game against Argentina. So, I mean, this match against Argentina didn't even happen. So, like, it's mad to think that a player that didn't play in that match that didn't happen could then be banned for his club that pays his wages. You're literally not told, you're told not to go to these places. They're, they're red list countries apart according to the UK government. But so how can football supersede that? It seems mad to me. It sounds like the clubs want a unified approach and the Premier League are working on it. So, you know, they're having dialogue with relevant stakeholders um, over the issues related to the international window. So we'll see, you know, what comes of it. But it sounds like the Premier League are involved you know, engaged. So you'd think that the Premier League being the body that it is, you know, it's a, it's a global brand and they want the, the players being able to play. There's obviously going to be some wags on Twitter talking about whether it's a good or bad thing for Fred to be banned from the Newcastle game um, after his performance against Wolves. But for sure, Solskjaer would like to have him as a, as a selection option because he, he, he likes him. I think it'll get sorted out. I'm sure that the Premier League and, and the clubs knew that this was potentially in the offing when they decided in the first place to, to stop the players from joining up. Um, we'll see. It's approaching lunchtime on Thursday recording this, so maybe even by the time this podcast is reaching your ears, there may be more news on that. Um, Kyle, let's go back to your team then. Um, so Fred, or no Fred, just just spell us out the rest of the midfield and attack. I'd mean, say there's no Fred. We don't know about the injury status of Scott McTominay yet. So he was photographed during in, doing individual training at Carrington on the Tuesday after his minor surgery for his a groin injury. Um, so if we assume he's not fully fit, that's probably the return of a Paul Pogba and the Manu Matic central pivot because... I'm going to assume Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't want to play Donny van der Beek for some reason. Uh, and then you want to go to front four. Bruno Fernandes as the number 10. Jaden Sancho on the left. Mason Greenwood on the right-hand side. Yes, Carl. And then, uh, in. <laughs> and then Cristiano Ronaldo up front. That That is my prediction with the information I know on Thursday yeah. the 9th of September. I agree. Laurie? That would be the one for me. Yeah, I mean, you could perhaps possibly say Marshall over Sancho if Sancho's you know a bit rusty still um, Marshall obviously played for France which we'll, we'll get on to I think a Pogba-Matic combo does does work better than a, a Fred-Pogba combo I mean we, we saw it last season or sorry rather yeah it was last season so for example away to Burnley I remember that game distinctly and and Pogba and, and Matic playing quite well it was 1-0 win in the end that was that was a time when United were going top so I think that as a combo does does work? Matic offers sort of security. If you allow me two seconds, Ian, very briefly to touch I'm on counting. on Donny, it's funny that his agent came out and said he's basically a number ten, and then Donny van der Beek did an interview with Rio Ferdinand on um, five with Vibri five and said, no, I can play number six. So it's kind of like a weird, it would be interesting to see. Donny obviously just wants to play, doesn't he? So he he will happily play as number six and, and give it his all. But clearly there's a reason why Solskjaer is hesitant to do that. Go on, go on, Carl, you're looking to pounce. He cannot play as a number six. So even in the games where he did play, so he came on for about half an hour in the 2017 Europa League final against United as the number six. And Mourinho went, 
he's tiny, bully him. Uh, and then in the years since, when he did play in the central pivot for Ajax, it was often next to... Tagliafico. Yeah, I think uh, that might be the one. Uh, for some reason, my brain wants to say Lissandro Lopez, but he played for Leon years and years and years ago and was a striker. So <laughs> yeah, I need close. more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, right. we need to move on because Ian's about to yeah. lose the will to uh, live with uh, more Donny chat. Enough about Donny van der Beek. We need to talk about Martial. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, it wasn't quite a Ronaldo-like return that we're expecting this weekend, but what a start Anthony Martial made to his United career back in 2015, raising the roof off Old Trafford in his first match against Liverpool. Martial is isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United, Anthony Martial! Yeah, nearly six years to the day, 12th of September 2015. Big price tag, big expectation, relatively unknown name but scoring against Manchester United's biggest rivals in a victory. It doesn't really get much better than that to start your United career. Carl, you've been writing about Anthony Martial. You promised us you'd get the view from France. What are the French saying about him? They were saying he was unconvincing, but it was all right. He got a goal. Okay. I was talking to Benjamin Quares, who writes for La Parisienne, uh, and uh, I essentially said, how on earth did Martial make the France squad when he's in arguably the worst form of his United career. Uh, what does Deschamps think of him? Uh, and sort of how, how did he perform in, in during the international break? So he didn't feature against Bosnia and Herzegovina in the first game. Scored uh, against Ukraine in a pretty shaky performance for France wholesale. Finished 1-1. Uh, and then he started uh, in a 2-0 victory for France over Finland in a final qualifier. Uh, and what I found out was basically Martial with this international break was discount. Mbappe or Storbrand Mbappe so Mbappe got called up pulled up with a calf strain in the first quali- qualifier game against Bosnia that was a draw um, and then Deschamps likes Martial because Martial is not just a number nine in his opinion but also can play as, as a left-hand side player so in the times where Mbappe cannot be called up upon uh, Martial can do a job so in, in comes in Martial Martial was he had a very presentable chance put up for him in the first half from Paul Pogba against Ukraine and angled his shot far too close to the goalkeeper. And it was it was one of those chances that United fans saw a lot last season where you're going, why has he not scored that? And and the finish wasn't what it used to be. And if you think about, you know, Martial's great strength is he finishes well. He's not great at quite a few things, but uh, one thing he's supposedly really good at is his finishing and having a really good understanding with Paul Pogba. So that was one big mistake. But in the second half, he got a really scrappy finish off a Rabio header that got saved and he sort of got the tap in and it was sort of a, a lucky finish. He said to Laprizian himself that he's glad he got a goal because he needed it. I think the interesting thing from France is Martial can do a job when Mbappe's out, but the idea is Mbappe's always going to be there, so Martial won't be the starter. Something I thought was interesting looking over both France games was Martial looks a lot more comfortable playing in a front two. 
So while I, at this point in time, I don't think United should ever play with him as a starting number nine. I don't think, I think his, the way his movement isn't good enough to be a starting number nine for United. I think there could be potential this season if Solskjaer wants to try it. Not not to start with, but in, in 20 minutes or half hour spurts, that if he wants to bring Martial off the bench, he, he could work off the bench next to someone like Cristiano Ronaldo or next to someone like Edison Cavani or indeed next to someone like Mason Greenwood. Martial's going to have to show a lot more of this, obviously, Laurie, isn't he? If he's going to get into this Manchester United team, considering the, the competition for places now. But what a debut. What a debut. We're looking ahead to Ronaldo's return at the weekend, aren't we? I mean, it's probably the most eagerly anticipated Old Trafford returns since maybe even Eric Cantona all the way back in the mid-90s. Um, but in terms of a debut, Martial's is right up there, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, coming off the bench and doing that, it was Martin Skirtle, wasn't it, that he embarrassed and, and then sort of... Bent. It was a few of them, wasn't it? It was a, it was a few. Ma- main main uh, main victim. Main, main culprit Skirtle, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, I mean, I was in a walkabout in Manchester watching that with my mates and um, yeah, it, it went off. To say, say, you know, safe to say, um, yeah. So, and I think that from that moment, I think people actually were quite endeared by him. You know, he'd come with this, as you say. People, people knew he was a talent, but again, one of those that you know you hear about all the time now, where this guy's got you know potential. This guy's got potential, and and you don't actually. A lot of people probably haven't seen these players play, um, but they're talking about them as if they know exactly you know all their attributes. Um, so there's that kind of aspect to it with Marshall. Um, a lot of money. And so I think there was a natural defence mechanism from United fans against the kind of accusation that United did kind of spunked a load of money on a player that wasn't worth it. And they kind of wanted to have a bit of you know protection to a young lad. So there's the, the song, isn't there, um, that sort of riffs off that. Um, and yeah, and I think he did, he started really well that season. You know, he, he showed real good qualities. And I just think you've always found though that he hasn't he hasn't kicked on like people perhaps expected him to. So he's kind of basically stayed at that same level where he can be inconsistent. He can have moments of brilliance and then go totally anonymous in games, you know, away to Man City last season, started up front. People are kind of fearing the worst because in that kind of game, you need someone to be able to link play quickly on the counter-attack. But actually, it was brilliant. It was it was superb. And people just want that more often from him because he can drift through games. Solskjaer gave him, we're talking about, you know, shirt numbers with, with Cavani and Ronaldo. Solskjaer gave him the number nine shirt back um, at the start of 1920 in a way to give him that confidence because he obviously realised that this was a player that fed off confidence and, and you know, his performances would be affected by such a thing. And he did, he performed well. You know, he, he scored a lot of goals, linked really well with Rashford and you sort of thought, okay, here we go. Uh, and then he's just kind of drifted again. And, and I think perhaps that idea that there's more players coming in like Cavani, like Ronaldo, he doesn't seem to react in the way that you'd hope a player would react. Like, like Luke Shaw's reacted with Alex Talis coming in um, Shaw's up to his game and he's kind of gone, this is my shirt, I'm not losing it. Marshall seems to go the other way where he kind of gets a bit downhearted by things. So, which is frustrating and for sure, Solskjaer, the club, you know, if if bids came in this summer, you know, I, I think they would be looking to, to see what kind of level they were at. I don't think he's someone that they're saying he is not for sale at any cost. Listen, they want to keep him and they want to try and work with him. But I think in time, if he continues at this kind of underwhelming rate, they would they would probably look to cash in on him. Let's go back to debuts because Nick Miller's written a fantastic piece about the brutal beauty of Wayne Rooney's for Manchester United, of course, a hat-trick against Fenerbahce in the Champions League. Um, I loved Zlatan Ibrahimovic's Old Trafford debut as well. Just the, the fanfare that he arrived to 
in the only the way that Zlatan could and then to, to score two goals, <laughs> this sort of alpha male, these celebrations, this is my theatre of dreams, this is my old Trafford. I thought he made an absolutely brilliant impact. I'll never forget his debut. Carl, any ones that you'd like to pick out? It's got to be Marcus Rashford's. I know I'm a bit Which biased. Which one? I know, I'll go for his uh, Europa League one because we didn't know who he was, right? So Anthony Martial pulls up in the warm-up and in, in true Louis van Gaal fashion, this skinny kid rocks up to play against Mitchell and he going who what and then he, he gets a brace and uh, that was great I do remember his his Premier League debut where he scores two against Arsenal and it's the it press the interview afterwards where they say did you score on your first touch against Arsenal and he, he does it in this like very in that broad accent he goes yeah just like in Europa and it was that laugh I went oh you're going to be a Man United player for a very long time um, so yeah those those debuts for Rashford always live Live long in my memory. He wasn't ripping any shirts with his head, though, was he, Laurie? Unlike some other people we know. Rooney, I, I love that. I mean, the, the Fenerbahce game, it, it was an incredible performance and, you know, made all the better for the fact that he's kind of come out with this torn shirt around his neck and you're thinking, is he literally just pulled it over his head and because he's got such a big head, such a big neck uh, that it's not fit. And, and yeah, basically, <laughs> he said, I'd been injured for two and a half months, so I'd done a lot of work in the gym and my <laughs> neck wouldn't fit in the top. That's all it was. It fitted in, but it was really tight. So I just ripped it to make sure I was comfortable. And then he goes out and scores a, a brilliant hat-trick. It was a, like a top hat-trick as well. It wasn't like, you know, tappings and, you know, sort of scruffed. It was a proper three really good goals. The other one that comes to mind is um, Rudolf Nisteroy. You know, um, he'd been out injured for a year. United basically signed him and then he, he, he did his knee, didn't he? And United waited, Ferguson waited. Um, and there was that anticipation of whether he still had it. Yeah, he still had it. Yeah, two goals against Fulham, opening day of the 2001-2 season. And then he basically didn't stop scoring after that, did he? So, yeah, I'd say Rude put in a pretty good marker from his debut as well. Yeah, we need to remember that Donny van der Beek also scored on his Manchester United debut. But lads, enough about van der Beek. We need to talk about Andy Mitten. Right, before we go, we need to check in and see where our friend Andy is. You might know by now that he is cycling the length of the country from right down Inland's End all the way up to John O'Groats. I think he's reached Scotland. I think I'm right in saying so. He's about halfway there. He's doing an absolutely incredible thing. He's raising money for the Manchester United Foundation. You can go to his social media for lots of updates about how he's getting on, including updates on his bottom, which he's about to give us in a moment. I do not envy him whatsoever. But you can also find on his social media as well a link to the donation page, which is, of course, the reason why Andy is doing all of this. So here's his update. This is Andy Mitten cycling the length of the country for the Manchester United Foundation. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. Hi, lads. Hi, listeners. I'm on the border with Scotland. I've just cycled my longest day yet the fifth day 193 kilometers i'm pretty sore i'm pretty tired i'm doing it i had to go and see a medic yesterday and he said drop your pants then <laughs> so it's like well, being at school well maybe and he looked at my backside and said um that's a bit angry we need to uh, strap you up so that's what he did in a very straightforward manner and i was allowed to carry on what has been a buzz is United fans have been joining me 
and route. Like this morning at a roundabout in Chorley, this lad just pulled up on his bike and said, I've not seen you since we stood on the Trent end um, against Forest in 1992. And he was right. I, I did stand with the home fans because the United section was sold out. And he was uh, telling me that he's not seen me since. So he rode with me for 20 miles. He was a nice lad. And then got to Lancaster and Ed Curry from the Lancaster branch rode with me for like another 20 miles. And then outside Kendall, Steve Buswell from the Westmoreland branch, he was just waiting by the side of the street on his bike and he cycled right to the top of the, um, the summit with me. 62 years old, I was really proud of him. He was really fit and Steve goes everywhere with United. So that's been good. And um, the money's been coming in. Um, we're over £8,000 now. So every single penny will go to helping kids in Manchester. Uh, I have up good and bad hours rather than days. I feel really pleased when I've done the ride, but I was a bit gutted going away from Manchester today because, I don't know, that's where friends and family are. I knew that I won't be going to the game at Old Trafford, uh, even though I'll be going to, to Burn uh, in the one after. And you have like a couple of rough hours and you, you don't really know why. And then, then little things just pick you up. It might be a comment or, or whatever. The weather's been good. It's set to turn as we go into Scotland and hopefully I will complete it on Sunday but I've only just crossed the halfway stage and I'll be honest there were times today Wednesday when I was thinking why am I doing this because it's just relentless you're sitting on a, a razor like seat for 11 hours today 11 hours the good thing is you can eat anything you want just sweets chocolate sweets peanuts anything and you just burn it all off you spend 11 hours eating so I'm going to listen to the pod um, tomorrow before one of my early nights. I've got to bed at nine o'clock at the moment. I'm waking up at five o'clock. Good luck with everything. Enjoy the game. Viva Ronaldo. Amen, brother. Viva Ronaldo, indeed. Andy, we're so proud of you, mate. Keep going. You're nearly there. I can picture you now. You said you were going to listen to the podcast in your tent, sat on a cushion, listening to me, Carl and Laurie. Wax lyrical about Manchester United debuts. I can see you shouting at your phone about some reference to 1992 or something like that. Fantastic. Keep going, mate. You're doing a brilliant thing and we're all extremely proud of you. You mentioned Ronaldo as well, so this seems a good point. I've no idea how he wrote it, considering he's been sat on a bike for a week already, but he's got a really interesting piece, Andy, about Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford and, of course, the view that it could have been in a Manchester City shirt and looking at some of the players down the years who have made the move uh, to Manchester City after making their name at Old Trafford. Um, Peter Smichael's still not very popular, is he, Laurie? Yeah, I, mean, I, get, I, I think it's still probably, you know, broadly affection for him. You know, he's still regarded as a United, you know, hero. He, you know, he was in goal for the treble. But yeah, I think it certainly tainted his legacy at United. I think more, not just the fact that he went to Man City, but also the kind of the way he sort of celebrated certain moments for Man City. Because um, the same isn't really true of Andy Cole, who also played for Man City, he sort of felt... I think there's more fondness there. Carlos Tevez is still liked as well, isn't he? <laughs> he was on social media in the United shirt the I other day. That was interesting. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. I think you should know the answer <laughs> to that. Sorry. <laughs> Carl, in an alternate universe, we're sat here now with our hands over our eyes, just peeking through at the prospects of Ronaldo making his debut for Manchester City against Leicester, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That, what was remarkable about that deal 
that brought Cristiano Ronaldo back is is they brought like unloaded everyone Rio Ferdinand Alex Ferguson everyone mobilized and I was sat there going oh you can move swiftly where's my defensive midfielder <laughs> I'm being mean I'm being mean <laughs> yeah Ronaldo's back Carl. I just want a holding midfielder <laughs> maybe two fair enough seems a good place to leave it Laurie Carl thank you so much whatever you're doing this weekend I hope the pair of you can get inside. Who's at Old Trafford? Who's going to be there, actually? This is actually quite a funny little story. Is it, Carl? Oh, here we go. Yeah, know. go on. Because orig- <laughs> originally, somebody and Carl sort of, you know... I'm, I'm sensing all divide up. No, it's all good, I think, hopefully. Uh, we, we'd sort of divide up the fixtures and at the start of the month, I said, oh, do you fancy, you know, I quite fancy West Ham away. Trips to London, might be able to meet a few contacts or whatnot. Um, Carl said, oh, I quite fancy that one myself. And, but he very kindly sort of said, okay, no, you you get it. You know, Newcastle, I'll do Newcastle at home. You can do West Ham away. Um, and then uh, I realised that I had a wedding in Wales uh, on the Saturday before the game against West Ham. So I said to Carl, actually, mate, do you want to do the West Ham game? And I'll take Newcastle. And obviously at that stage, it looked like a three o'clock kickoff against Newcastle. And, you know, easy peasy. It turns out to be Ronaldo's homecoming. So... I do apologise, Carl. It's fine. In true athletic style, I look forward to you writing uh, 3,000 words about uh, Luke Shaw on the weekend instead. <laughs> that could be the story. <laughs> Let's see. Laurie and Carl, I'll leave you two to fight it out on the next Ronaldo homecoming, if there is one, a third time, the third coming. Trilogy. There won't be a third. There won't be a third coming. don't even know why I went there. But thank you so much, both of you, for joining us, as always, on Talk of the Devils. Thank you. For listening at home as well. Don't forget, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod still for a 33% discount on a subscription to The Athletic. And of course, we'll be back on Monday dissecting Ronnie's return. See you then. The Athletic.